0: Welcome to the Stiano Plastic Surgery Podcast, with plastic surgeon JJ Stiano, the only plastic surgeon in the UK who owns a clinic specialising in breast and body contouring. Here I am, I0. Uh And we have got uh, what we've got here, right here is we've got um, a live Q&A with plastic surgeon JJ Stiano, yours truly, live 7 p.m. And uh, if you've got anything to comment about or share, then please comment and share. Because that would be very much appreciated. How's the... How's the camera angle? How many how many angles? Let's top my head off there. Mm-hmm. Evening, evening, Angela. Nice to see you here. Yeah. Right. I've got some questions and I've got them on a list which I have prepared because that's the kind of guy I am. I prepare stuff. And this is the number one question here. We've got a list of eight questions. We had 17 ones a couple of weeks ago. 17. I thought 17 this week, 20, you know, 30 and then the following week, I think that was about five. Anyway, quality, not quantity. And these are quality questions. So I uh, mustn't grumble and I'm not grumbling. I'm very grateful for every question. And this is a question. Um, where's the specific question? Because it was stuff about... Um, hormones and things it was a good question it was uh basically this patient um has said i've heard the causes of gynecomastia are um are you know steroids and and marijuana which is two causes of of gynecomastia which i think he would say he didn't do those things so he um, was worried that if it was a hormonal imbalance If the hormonal imbalance wasn't treated then will it come back that was the question so here we go here we go here it is if the issue is hormone imbalance which i'm led to believe it is considering it's not marijuana or steroids is there not then the possibility of developing gyno once again so uh yes there is and um the thing about gynecomastia is yeah it absolutely depends on the cause and and steroids and uh what have you like especially like you know steroids for bodybuilders can do it and uh, basically it is a hormone imbalance and there are certain things that can cause a hormone imbalance like uh, certain yeah. drugs like the ones we mentioned but also ones that are treated certain cancers Also, there are certain tumors that can cause it, so uh, uh, testicular tumors, pituitary tumors, um, tumors with the adrenal gland, liver tumors. There are certain tumors which can produce hormones and cause an imbalance between the uh, estrogen and the testosterone, which can uh, cause uh, gynecomastia. Uh, Also, certain times of life, there are hormone imbalance, uh, particularly during puberty and in senility, as in older age, you're getting a balance between estrogen and testosterone, and you can have too much um, breast tissue growth. So these are all causes of uh, gynecomastia. And if if you have an underlying cause of gynecomastia, you need to treat the underlying cause of the gynecomastia. And so if it's happening during puberty, then you would say, well, let's wait till puberty's over with and see if it gets better. If it's due to some medication you're on or some drugs you're taking, if you can stop that medication and those drugs, then it will uh, be uh, that that's the right thing to do first. If it's due to a tumour, then you need to get that sorted first to stop the human imbalance because the, the, you're absolutely right. It will come back in. The problem is that the majority of cases are what we call idiopathic. So whilst there's a huge list of cases of causes of gynecomastia, the majority of cases are idiopathic, which means we don't know the cause, which means there is no underlying cause. And so uh, the majority of cases are no underlying cause. So if you're worried you've got an underlying cause, if you have symptoms, um, if you have symptoms of any of these causes, cancers, testicular cancer, pituitary cancer, they all have symptoms associated with them, um, then there, that needs to be investigated to see if there's an underlying cancer. Um, similarly, if, if breast cancer can cause increased growth of one side, but it's usually one side, it's usually hard, it can often be painful. So if there's any wiring features, you get that looked at and, and treated, but the majority of cases have got a radiopathic, got no cause, and if it's idiopathic, then you can treat it because there's no underlying cause to treat. So that's why if bodybuilders are still taking steroids, I said there's no point in having gynecomastia treatment because it'll come back again. So um, if it's idiopathic, then you treat it with um, by removing the glandular tissue and the fatty tissue. The only thing I would say is that um, sometimes people say it's come back if they put on weight. You take all the gland away and all the fatty tissue away while you leave a little bit behind the nipple because otherwise you get a crater deformity, you get a dent. But anyway, um, take it all away. And but you do leave some fat behind. There will still be some fat there. So if your weight changes, particularly if you put on weight, that fat will get bigger. The whole thing about putting on weight, you've got the same amount of fat. Everyone's got the same amount of fat cells. Fat people have just got bigger fat cells than thin people. So the fat cells get bigger when you get fat and smaller when you get slim. So you will still leave some fat cells there. And so that fat cells can those fat cells can get bigger. So if you put on weight, then you can it can come back again sort of thing and that well it, they think it people say it's coming back again it's not coming back again it's just you put on weight and you're getting fatter so if you hadn't had the gynecomastia correction you've got bigger as well so it's not a recurrence of the gynecomastia it's not like oh there's an underlying cause it's all coming back it's you put on weight and the fat's got bigger so that's the only other thing so can, so so headline question, can it come back after having surgery? If there's an underlying cause, yes. The majority of cases don't have an underlying cause. And if you put on weight afterwards, then uh, it can get bigger. It's not it coming back. It's just you're putting on weight, but you've been reset to a better position. I think we've got that one there. Zoe, Karen, and Junie is in the house. So <laughs> pick up yourselves. and. Uh, Nice to see you all here tonight. If you've got any questions, fire away. I will do my best to uh, attempt to answer them. I've got some pre-ordained questions, which I will uh, talk about here. Um, question numero dos. Can I wear a bra straight after having inverted nipple correction? Oh, I've got to get back to my list of questions here. Multi-screening. Multi-screening. That's what I'm talking about. It's totally professional, this. Um yeah yeah you can you can wear a bra straight after having it in bras you've got to think about why you're doing bra why, you wear, why you're why your uh why bras are sort of what bras are doing oh god making no sense man um so basically if you're having a breast like a breast uh augmentation or breast reduction or some kind of Breast reshaping, should we say, operation, breast lift. The bra is giving support. So the bras are, we we use sort of post-op bras, but like a sort of like a sports bra. And what you'll find, these bras don't have much shape to them. They're sort of flat when you look at them. And when you put them on, they sort of give you, I won't say compression. You don't really want to compress, but you give you support. So that's like a support bra. So that's the sort of bra you use after a breast augmentation or breast reshaping in terms of lifts or reductions and things like that um after inverted nipple you don't need that sort of bra so you don't need a post op bra in fact a post op bra is bad so um you don't need a post op bra after having an inverted nipple correction an inverted nipple correction is is you make the nipple obviously from being sticking in to to pull it to going out and it's quite easy to do to make the nipple stick out the problem with an inverted nipple correction is always recurrence of the uh, inversion so the the scar tissue Pulls the nipple back in again, and it and it goes back in again. That's always the problem. So you need to avoid pressure on the nipple. So we put a little bolster around it, a little dressing on top. But you don't want any pressure on the nipple. The sort of traditional post op bras do give pressure on the nipple, and then and then sort of will sort of squeeze it. So you don't want a post op bra. You don't want one of those bras where you can actually see the nipple. You know when it's sort of as I say, it's got no substance to the bra and it sort of contours to the shape of your breast. Don't want that sort of bra. You want a normal bra like a normal, like wires and all that. You can wear wired bras and all that sort of thing. You know, we always go against wired bras when we do surgery because there's often scars in the crease and often the bra doesn't give much support because the support comes from the wire. So, you know, those bras are... So it's a different type of bra after inverted nipple. The normal traditional wired bra with with a sort of shaped cup, rubbish after most breast surgery, but after an inverted nipple, absolutely fine, perfect. If it's got a shaped cup and there's sort of space... In front of the nipple absolutely fine or if it's flimsy and it's sort of you know um, sort of fashionable sort of thing with a wire and no, not much substance to the cup uh, absolutely fine after an inverted nipple because you don't want pressure on the nipple so yes absolutely fine to wear a bra straight after having an inverted nipple creation and just wear a normal bra not a sports bra or a post-op bra uh, in fact, a sports bra slash post op bra would actually be a bad thing to wear. So uh, just go with a normal bra or oh, no bra. You don't have to wear a bra. So it's not you know you can not, if you don't want to wear a bra, don't wear a bra. So can I wear a bra? Yeah, you can, but you don't have to. A bra is basically not uh, important after an inverted nipple, as long as you're not wearing the wrong type, as previously mentioned. So, um, good. Question three. Now I'm going to take my time them on question three i've got eight questions okay so I... no, no i just get but if you've got a you know, question you can ask you know eight questions not bad did i say seven? i had seven i just just got another one earlier on so that's good um have i got a question here have you seen what did you see me do something for my screen then um can you see my screen It's a bit awkward if you can um inbox got something in the inbox anyway I don't know, can you see my screen? Or would I just stay on screen all, all at that time? So question three is, would hair need to be shaved if a cyst was to be removed from the top of the head? Good question. Am I, my oh God, am I seeing myself? Oh, I'm gonna have to close that, that's awkward. Um, good question, good question, yes. Uh, well, no, Ugh, Right. right. Um, it's always difficult this because it depends on who's doing it <laughs> good question bad answer depends on who's doing it so um some people will shave a bit of hair from around it i tend not to really shave much hair from around it um it's a nuisance when you when you shake when you're suturing something on the scalp because the hairs get in the way and they get caught in the stitches and you have to pull the hairs out so some people do shave a bit bit of hair but i think that's not well, that might be what you're talking about you wouldn't shave it like a big ball patch especially on a lady with like long hair and stuff you wouldn't you wouldn't but you might trim a little bit of hair just because it keeps on getting caught in stitches but that hair will grow back um and you would aim if you know if it is someone with long hair that it would look normal you wouldn't like have a bald patch of your scalp that would be not good that would not be cool so you know we just wouldn't do that um so um no we wouldn't shave a big area but might trim a little bit of hair the main thing about when you're taking a cyst off the scalp is that the hair uh, the scar hasn't got hair you get something called scar alopecia the scar doesn't have hair in it so the scar itself won't have hair in it but there will be hair on either side of the scar so if you've got long hair if you're female with long hair it'll be fine because you have hair out of the scar, scar and it'll cover it the main problem comes in men with short hair or thinning hair because we just actually this is this is this, the, is this why the question is there i saw a chat a photo of a chap with a cyst on his scalp here, and his hair is thinning. And I'm thinking, hold on a minute, his hair is thinning. Now, obviously, you can say, well, I can see the cyst, so I don't like it because there's a big bump there. Fair enough. We can remove the cyst for you. But the um, scar will be more obvious in someone with short hair, a bit like when you have a stubble. So if you have a, a scar on your chin, um, and it fades and all that and you clean shaved no problem at all if you grow a bit of stubble all of a sudden the scar becomes very well outlined because when you've got short hair you've got no hair on the scar and you have it's a bit more obvious same with the scalp as i say if they've got no hair a scalp can be like if you're bald like proper shaved and buffed you the scalp the scar will probably be pretty good a bit obvious to start off with but when you've got a short bit of hair the scar is more obvious because you get no hair on the scar so it's more obvious in a Short hair person is better if you've got nothing at all and you're totally bald, or if you've got long hair. Either extremes good, but short hair is bad. Who knew? Can you go on an, aer- an aer- aeroplane? Aeroplane, I think. A week after breast surgery. A week after, I didn't read that. I didn't see that. A week. Well, you can if you want to. Would you want to go a week after breast surgery? I'm not sure if that's, um, I wouldn't particularly recommend going a week after breast surgery. I think that's a bit too soon, to be honest with you. Um, There's no sort of physical restriction to it. So you're not going to set off any alarms. They're not going to blow up on the airplane. People think they're going to pressure the airplane. They're going to explode or things like that. The airplane cabin is pressurized and the pressure to damage an implant would be so extreme. Your internal organs would would um, be damaged way before your implant will be damaged. Similarly with diving, people are about diving and the pressure and stuff. If there's any problems with the pressure, it's the pressure in the air in the pocket rather than the implant itself, which is there immediately after surgery. But there are any problems with flying. So you can get on a, an airplane and fly a week after surgery, no problem. Nothing's gonna happen to you, no alarms are gonna go off. I wouldn't recommend it though, because you just had breast... Oh, it actually doesn't say implant, does it just says breast surgery? Um, it, Your scars will be a bit red. You're in the healing phase. You may or not, you're just, you know, the skin takes about four days to heal. So your skin may be healed by then, but there might be little bits of the skin aren't healed. Depends on what breast surgery is. Well, actually, it doesn't depend on what breast surgery is. I think any breast surgery, I probably think a week is too, well, I do think, not probably, I think a week is too uh, soon to go on a flight for two reasons. Number one reason is that you, even though you think, oh, I'm just going to relax when I go away, it is quite stressful going on a flight you have got to carry bags and things like that and you might say oh I will carry heavy bags it is a big deal it's better than it's a lot more than staying at home it's like when people say I want to go to work because i don't do anything at work i just do office job it's quite a big deal to go back to work so don't underestimate it so i think that's number one reason number two reason is that you'll be away from home so if you have any redness if you have any problems i'll say to you give us a ring and come back to clinic you'll be like well i'm in marbella you know that's a big deal so and it's just a nuisance if i say oh that looks a bit red give you some antibiotics oh well i'm in you know guadalajara or wherever maybe a little bit more difficult to get antibiotics so it's a lot easier to stay at home so i would stay at home six weeks eight weeks minimum you'll probably still be a bit sore and might not be able to carry your bags but at least you're out of the woods with regards to wound healing problems infections and stuff like that um so as i say you can fly if you have to but i probably wouldn't particularly recommend it in fact i definitely wouldn't recommend it a week after surgery i think that's too soon but um Make your own judgment and see. I'm not sure who that was from, or if it was from my patient or but yeah, I think not a bit too soon a week. It's a big big it's a big, big deal having surgery, you know. You've got to not underestimate it, you know, a week to fly a week afterwards. I think that's too soon. It's a big deal. It's a major life event. So most breast surgeries, anyway. Um, so don't underestimate it. It's a good one. Would excess pubic fat be removed or improved if a tummy tuck is performed good question i'm liking that one people don't often realize this uh the pubic fat we call it the moms it's the sort of area where the pubic hair is um and and, um so it's sort of if you've got a cesarean below the cesarean scar that sort of there. people often don't realize they've got a bulge there particularly if you need a tummy tuck so they've got a big abdominal apron and they don't realize this fullness of the mons so what you do is you do the tummy tuck and they think what the heck have you done there what have you put that what is what's going on I'm like well that was there already i just got rid of the abdominal thing and there's a bulge that was there i just found it there so um you can do stuff to that mons at the time of a tummy tuck you can reduce it. You can perform liposuction. If it's very big, you can liposuck it. Um, and, yeah, and you can reduce it and take out the fullness. You don't want to go too crazy on it because what you don't want to do is go too much. When you do a tummy tuck, you make a scar here, and the scar in the lower abdomen, the scar in the upper abdomen, and you undermine all the way up to your rib cage so that the scar in the upper abdomen pulls down and meets the scar in the lower abdomen. So the scar ends up in the lower part of your tummy. I'm not sure if this is maybe need some infographics to explain this but you want the scar to be pulled down and to 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 be in the position of the lower incision so it's hidden in your bikini line you don't want it to be up here you know and that the reason the scar is low is because you undermine in a northward direction so that the the, the bit up north is movable and will move down and the bit the lower bit doesn't you don't undermine the lower bit you just leave that in place so it doesn't move much to anchor the scar low that makes sense if you start undermining the lower bit south where the mons is that will loosen that up and there's a risk the scar can migrate up north so that is not good particularly if the hair bearing skin starts upgrading up migrating up north um, you can get a clitoral lift which can be uncomfortable and you can get all sorts of problems which um, you don't want so it's a bit of a thing that you got to be a little bit careful about messing about with the um with that's for of mons area you don't really want to go too crazy on that mons area you really want to um focus on the tummy tuck as i say there is stuff you can do to the mons so you can take a wedge out do a bit of lipo you can you can improve it but if you've got a significant fullness in the mons it's always better to have this conversation before surgery and what we'll try and do is point it out to you before surgery and say look you've got a lot of fullness in your mons i'm going to do my best when you've had the tummy tuck you might still see some fullness there and we might need you to do to do stuff later on once everything's healed and the scar's stable where it is then maybe you can take a little bit from below but you've got to be a bit careful with it so it's a great question um that can be removed from that area um and it can be improved at the time of a tummy tuck but we are limited as to how much we can improve it because there's a whole world of problems you can get if you start trying to go crazy on it and trying to sort of really empty it out and think, oh, I'm going to make this really flat and I'm going to undermine it. And, you know, clitoris is pulled up, that's uncomfortable. Um, the the hair bearing skin's pulled up, the scar's pulled up and it's just bad. So a bit of a balance, but something we try and um, be aware of. So something probably we're aware of more than we maybe will communicate to patients, but it's a good question. It's something that uh, now you've watched this, maybe you'll be a bit more aware of it and think you might ask a question next time if you uh, if you or have a look and to see if you think you're going to tell me how I got performance in that pubic area and what's gonna you know what's gonna be happening to that. Tracy's here staunch supporter good to see you Tracy how are ya? um we we're Tracy we we're on question uh number six of eight coming to the end game um when to have breast reconstruction after mastectomy? That's a massive question. That isn't it? That's a massive question. um Also, I don't really do breast reconstruction anymore. I used to do loads of breast reconstruction. Oh, well, I do. I could. I can. Well, anyway, I shouldn't say that. I'm trying. Anyway, it's not about me. It's not about me. All right, get over it. It's a general question, so I'm give you an answer. Uh, really good question. so broadly speaking there's two options what's called an immediate reconstruction which means at the same time you have a mastectomy you have a breast reconstruction or a delayed reconstruction which means you have a mastectomy, you have a mastectomy scar that all heals you get over that and you have it you have a, a reconstruction later and this is a big question and probably something that I'm not sure I can do justice to on this and it's really something you need to discuss with your surgeon or surgeons. Um, because it depends on several things it depends on you and it depends on the sort of treatment that you need so on you um, a lot of it is sort of the psychology of it sometimes people feel that they like the thought of going down to theatre with a breast and coming back with a breast psychologically that's a appealing thing obviously not sometimes I guess everybody finds that appealing so that's a good thing about having an immediate reconstruction. You go to theater with a breast, you come back from theater with a breast, albeit a reconstructed breast. So that is a good thing. The bad thing is that a when you have a diagnosis of breast cancer, that's quite a major thing. And often you need surgery quite quickly. And psychologically, it can be quite a lot to, 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 to take, take in. Um, if you then have to start taking in the whole gamma of breast reconstruction, there's so many decisions with breast reconstruction, you think, oh my goodness me, it's all too much. And you might say look just do the mastectomy it's a relatively short operation get that done and then i can consider a reconstruction later um, because a mastectomy on its own is a sort of average operation not that big an operation but a mastectomy with an immediate reconstruction can be a big operation so you can turn a sort of medium-sized operation into a big operation A quite a vulnerable time when you're quite psychologically in turmoil because of you know you've been given this diagnosis so you might say i can't face it at the moment it's all too much um so you've got to think of it from your point of view, which where you're at, whether you want to just come back with a breast and you're willing from uh, when you go to theater, but and you're willing to put up with a big operation to, to achieve that. And also whether you're willing to go through the turmoil and the decision-making within terms of breast reconstruction because there's all sorts of different types and pros and cons of all of them. So um, there is that. Then there's issues in terms of the disease and the treatment that you need. So um, it depends on what sort of, treatment you need in terms of the mastectomy and whether you need any what's called adjuvant therapy. Adjuvant therapy is things like radiotherapy and chemotherapy. So, and often they can tell before, sometimes they can't necessarily tell before whether you're going to need it, but often they can tell you before whether you're going to need adjuvant therapy. If you need adjuvant therapy, um, if you need radiotherapy, radiotherapy sort of um, blasts the area once you've had the mastectomy um, and or it could be a wide local excision. If you have a wide local excision, you pretty much always need a radiotherapy um, and, and, and kills any remaining cancer cells that are left behind. Now, if you do an immediate reconstruction where you put the tissue up there at the same time as the mastectomy, when they do the radiotherapy, they're gonna blast that, that, uh, that reconstructed tissue. So it can damage your reconstruction in terms of causing some scarring and some abnormalities of shape. Now there are significant benefits of having an immediate reconstruction, so you might that might be outweighed by that, that risk of the radiotherapy being blasted. And but some surgeons say, look, if you're having radiotherapy, have a delayed reconstruction, don't have an immediate. I'm not like that. I do think there are benefits of having an immediate reconstruction, particularly if you're going to use your own tissues, something like your tummy tissue. So I think there are benefits of having a re- reconstruction, but it's true that if you were going to have radiotherapy, afterwards, uh, that can damage the reconstruction how to what extent and whether that would mean you need another operation or whatever i you know it's hard to say it's hard to quantify but obviously if you have a delayed reconstruction you'll definitely need a, another operation so that's what i mean about not being able to answer it properly here it's really something you need to talk to your breast surgeons and your reconstructive surgeons or you might might be the same person about you know about that the other bit of adjuvant therapy you might need is chemotherapy Uh chemotherapy is sort of drugs to uh, to to kill any cancer that might be in your body, you know, radiotherapy is a bit more of a directed treatment. Chemotherapy is more of a systemic thing, um, and that can be important to remove any um, any uh, cancer that might be in your body. Um, if you have a mastectomy on its own, you just have one scar, and you know you've got to get that to heal. If you have a mastectomy reconstruction, you often have more than one scar because you might have had a reconstruction from a bit of tissue from your body and it all might be tight and it all, there's more risks of wound healing problems and there's more risk of complications if you're having an immediate reconstruction. And so um, if you do get a complication, if you do get a wound healing problem or some of like that, that might delay your adjuvant therapy, particularly your chemotherapy. It might delay your, uh, they might not want to give you the adjuvant therapy if you've got wounds that need healing so you might say well that's going to jeopardize my cancer treatment i need to get this adjuvant therapy i need to get this chemotherapy to mop up any cancer cells and if the if there's a chance that having an immediate reconstruction might delay that that might factor into your decision making you might think hold on a minute i just want to get the cancer treatment done first and then next year i'm going to think about reconstruction you know it's different things for different people so that's a one reason um, against having an immediate that it does make it potential that you might have a delay in your adjuvant therapy not necessarily but more more likely than if you just have an immediate reconstruction finally um the cosmetics of it cosmetically an immediate reconstruction is far superior to a delayed reconstruction it does look a lot better the thing about a delayed reconstruction if you've got a breast with lots of skin when they do a mastectomy they're not really interested in taking the skin the only skin they're really interested in taking is your nipple and your areola that's all they really wanna take. So when they do a mastectomy, if you're having an immediate reconstruction, what they sometimes do is just pick a scar around the nipple and the areola, take that out, and then take the rest of the breast out through that incision. And then when you're doing a reconstruction, you can fill that skin envelope with your breast reconstruction and just use a little skin paddle for that nipple, and then you can reconstruct the nipple. So actually, once you've reconstructed the nipple, it looks like you've got no scars because you only had a circular scar, which is then swallowed up by your areola reconstruction. So cosmetically, all that skin's intact, your inframammary fold, the fold where your bra sits is intact. And so cosmetically, it's a lot better to do an immediate reconstruction. With a delayed reconstruction, you can't leave that skin, if you're not putting a reconstruction in, you can't leave that skin hanging there. So you have to cut the skin out. So you end up with a much bigger scar when you do a delayed reconstruction, you end up with a mastectomy scar, which is that oblique scar across your chest. And then when you're doing a reconstruction, you have to reconstruct the inframammary fold because that's gone and you just have a flat chest. And you have to bring much bigger skin paddle in because you have to import skin from somewhere, or you might use implants or what have you. And you have to stretch the skin, but you have to—it's it's a more difficult reconstruction, and cosmetically, it's never as good really—a delayed reconstruction as a, an immediate reconstruction. So tricky one. No answers there. Pros and cons for both of them needs a proper discussion with the surgeon or surgeons. But uh, that's the—that's some of the issues around immediate and uh, and um delayed breast reconstruction but really good question really really uh like like that that's a good question hi nikki good evening nice to see you here tonight uh where are we this is good one this is um question that i've been uh, answering uh, a patient and it's timely because we just spoke about this at the weekend i went to a meeting at the weekend and this was being discussed um they call it the, the plus minus technique um so um, the plus minus technique is having a breast reconstruction and then putting an implant in uh, for the shape. And I'm aware that people do it. Um but as I say I was at a meeting, there's a chap presenting from Brazil who was presenting his results of it. Um not you know I'm not I'm not big on it. Um, the concept is that when you do a breast reconstruction or a breast lift, a mastopexy. Um, you're dealing with your own tissues, you're dealing with you know, your your, your tissues, and when you do a lift or a mastopexy or whatever, I mean a lift is a mastopexy, a lift or a reduction, you tighten all the skin up and it stays up here and it goes up like that, and people say, oh, I love it. Yeah, happy with this, it's exactly what I wanted, fantastic. Thanks very much. And you're like, well, hey, hold on a minute. You know, only you just have the surgery, to be honest with you, it looks a bit weird when you first have it, when you have a reduction or a lift. Reduction and lift is sort of like the same thing. They both involve lifting the breast over time that settles, that fullness in the upper pole from your nipple up settles to what I would call a more natural breast shape. And I show photos of people this in the clinic. So you get a softening of that upper pole. So you get like a other straight line or sometimes a concavity in your upper chest from your nipple to your nipple and then a fullness in the lower pole. So it empties from the upper pole, goes into the lower pole. That's gravity, that happens to tissues. And as far as I'm concerned, and we spoke about this at the meeting, people do injecting fat and all sorts of things to try and keep the breast up there. And You know, it's really, you can't, well, if I was talking you, you can't really keep the breast up there. Whatever happens, gravity wins and you get a bit of a concavity and less fullness in the upper pole. I think it's a, you know, it's a, it's a natural breast shape, but, you know, we show photos to patients. And then I think, hold on a minute, if I'm having a lift. I want it, you know, I want a bit of this don't want that that's why i'm having the lift i'm like well it will be better than you are now but you know it will settle a bit the only way in my view to get sustained fullness in the upper pole to get them either a flatness or even a bump in the upper pole sometimes people want actually a bump is with an implant an implant does give you sustained fullness in the upper pole now for me i think uh implants are really good at making your breast bigger so if you're small and you're got a bit of a droop to your breasts, you don't like the shape, you want to be bigger, you don't like the size. I'm like, yeah, okay, well, let's do a lift and let's put implants in because that makes them bigger, makes the shape better and you do get that fullness in the upper pole because the implant is there and that will give it. The problem comes when people are happy with the size, they don't want to be bigger, particularly if they want to be smaller. The concept is that you actually take some breast tissue away and you replace it with an implant to give sustained fullness in the upper pole. I don't like that concept just you know I suppose it's not about me it's about you and what you want so you know it is a thing and it is out there that people do that they take a bit of breast tissue away and then they replace it with an implant to give some sustained fullness in the upper pole um the problem I've got with it is the implant will have to be a certain width in order to be a certain height to to fill the breast footprint to give you the result you want to achieve if you put a narrow implant in it's going to drop to the bottom it's not going to do the thing that you want it to do so it's got to be a certain size now this chap from Brazil was presenting cases where he was using quite a small implant um so it's about you know for that reason you don't want to take loads of breast tissue away and put a massive implant in because in the problem with implants you get problems you can see them you can feel them you get rippling you get capsular contracture in the future all sorts of problems with implants so i don't think you should take on implants lightly and i don't think you should have implants if you don't need them sort of thing but if you want fullness up there they are the best way to do it But for me, I don't like the concept of doing a reduction and then replacing some, you know, taking over, reducing too much volume and then replacing some with an implant. I think you're better off having your own natural breast tissue because then for the rest of your life, it's yours and that's fine with an implant. There's potential problems in the future, but it does give you the sustained fullness in the apple hole. It's an interesting thing. It's an interesting concept plus minus technique and it's out there. And I guess it's something to discuss again with the surgeon and just see whether you think it's good for you depends on whether you'd be happy the thing is to look at some results to see if you're going to be happy with the shape that you can achieve with an implant or um or not and if you're not going to be happy with the shape that you you can achieve without an implant then is it worth taking on the risks of an implant i guess that's the same for any any sort of thing but that's that is a thing and that's a really good question um very timely as well because we talk about it. Tracy, I know you wouldn't let me down. Tracy's come out with a question here. Would you, stroke, have you carry out breast augmentation under local anesthetics so the patient can be awake while having the procedure? Tracy, yes. Would I? Yes. Have I? Yes. Um, yeah. Yes. Yeah, I wouldn't say it's common, um, but it's not that uncommon really. And I think it's becoming more common. I think we're, I think, to be honest, I think we're moving more that way in this country. Tracy, I've done a tummy tuck with this one awake. I've done a mastopexy with someone awake. So um, it is a thing and, f- uh, you know, I don't really push it to be honest with you, but if patients don't want an anesthetic and they're like, or at least a general anesthetic, uh, for whatever reason, it's a good thing, it, it, I mean, I, it is a good thing. I think uh, having it under local anesthetic and sedation is a good way to have it. But the patient has to be on board because it is a little bit uncomfortable. You put in local anesthetic in, oh, I can feel that. Okay, I put a bit more local anesthetic in and things like that. Um, it's done under sedation, so it's not pure local anesthetic. I think sometimes people think they'll be able to give an opinion on the implants. You know, what do you think of them? Are they big enough? Do you want me to put bigger ones in? You're not like talking like you're normal. It's not like pure local anesthetic it's it's um it's local anesthetic and sedation so you are sort of quite sort of drowsy and quite um you know you're not really you're sort of talking but it's like not really talking i wouldn't hold you to anything i wouldn't say oh what do you think of the side or anything like that because it is you know and you often don't remember much of it so it's not like you might envisage pure local anesthetic it's local anesthetic and sedation um but it's a very Um, good way to do it Um, and it's a um, and it's quite established and it's becoming more established I think in this country in America I think they do loads of stuff like that I think we're moving towards that way in this country we do it in the hospital where we've got facilities for a GA in case it's a bit uncomfortable we did one a little couple weeks ago and a little bit uncomfortable for the patient so we just said look you know what let's just convert to a generalist so we normally just say look if it's a bit uncomfortable for you, we can just convert to a general aesthetic. But it's you know, most of the time it's absolutely fine. Occasionally it might be a little bit uncomfortable and it's easy because then the is there um administering the sedation. So it's The price is the same. A lot of people think it's going to be cheaper to do on local anesthetic, but the anesthetist is there just the same, takes the same amount of time. To be honest, if anything, it's more work for the anesthetist than the general aesthetic, but but the price is the same, but it, but it is a good thing. And I think it's a, and there's lots of things you can do under local anesthetic, not just breast augmentation, lots of things, most things, in fact, uh, you can do under local anesthetic anesthetic with the right patient. If the patient's on board, if the patient's not on board, I wouldn't push it. Let's do a general, keep it simple, but if the patient's keen, I think you can do a lot. Nikki. one, I thought he had, yeah, I thought he's dealt with errors. Yes, these comments are true. Um, I don't want to say too much, um, Nikki, because last week I made out, didn't I, that I I dealt with it. But clearly I hadn't, had I? So um, I think I might have dealt with it. But I'm not going to say too much because... You don't know what's going on out there so i think you know um i think we're clear we're clear so far and we're near the end so yep so far so good so um yeah so nipple reduction oh don't press the thing nipple reduction not the areola the actual nipple um can you do it yeah yeah, you can. Uh, so obviously areola, so the, we, it's called the nipple areola complex, the NAC, the neck. Uh, the nipple is the bit that sticks out in the middle. The, <laughs> the areola is the bit round the outside. Um, so um, obviously the areola can be reduced, the brown bit around the outside, that can be made smaller with the scar around the areola, but the nipple can be also be reduced. Uh, in fact, In fact, it's quite common in men nipple reduction because they don't like t-shirts so the nipple sticks out too much but you can do it in women as well pretty simple to be honest with you it's a local anesthetic uh the nipple's just like a mountain that sticks up just take out a slice of cake basically and then fold it down you usually put the scar on the lower border so you can't see the scar there is a scar the scars are the base of the nipple the base of the mountain so to be honest with you once it settles you can't really see it um and it's a relatively simple thing to do um so, uh, and and you can also do like, for instance, uh, we're talking earlier about breast reconstruction. You can do nipple reconstruction by taking a piece of one nipple and putting it on the other side, nipple sharing. So, and obviously that would reduce. It's only good if you've your other nipple's too big. You know, if you're happy with the other nipple, I wouldn't go messing with it. But um, if your nipple is too big, it's, it's relatively simple to re- remove, uh, to reduce the nipple. In fact, it's more simple than doing an areola reduction. Um, So Junie safe with you. Yes. Thank you. I know that. I mean, I'm in safe, uh, safe hands. Good to hear. Had it done awake, good option for people who are afraid of general was totally comfortable home within an hour. Thank you. Absolutely. There you go. That's what you need. You need um, real people, personal recommendation. Um, I think, you know what people who have it done awake are, um, People who have it done awake are, uh, yeah, they love it. They are great supporters, and, and it does tend to be a, um, a good thing. Uh, but not for everybody. Clearly not for Zoe, so that's all right. You know, um, I think it is. Now, Junie, you know, what's going on? Honestly, can you make nipples bigger? Yes. I had unnecessary free nipple graft in Poland. One is slight projection, but other is flat. What can be done if anything? Yeah, um, I don't like free nipple grafts, and obviously you don't like free nipple grafts either. Now, uh, free nipple grafts. I think a lot of people, when you're doing a your breast reduction, think that the nipple comes off and goes back in again. That's called a free nipple graft. We actually take the nipple off and put it back on again. It's I don't I don't. Some people do it a lot. I, it's like you know whatever. I don't think it's. Uh, I, I prefer not to do it if I can. Than keep the nipple attached on a pedicle. Anyway, um the problem with free nipple graphs is the sensations always altered because you know the nerves have to connect up and the nipple often lacks projection. That is the problem, uh, which is what's happened here. Uh it's you know what, Junie? it's really tri- tricky because um because yeah, oh dear, worst thing I've ever done going to Poland? Um the it it is tricky uh to do. The, uh, to give projection to the nipple for two reasons. Number one reason is it's tricky to give projection to the nipple anyway. To make something stick out is hard. Everything wants to go flat. The, the, the body wants to scar everything down and pull it down. So when you do an inverted nipple correction, it's it's hard. But it's even more difficult for this because this isn't an inverted nipple correction. An inverted nipple correction. Someone's got the nipple and it's in, and you have to sort of pull it out. Uh, in this case, you've lost projection of your nipple, and you try and give projection to the nipple. Now the problem is when you do nipple reconstruction, when you make a nipple. You can make a nipple but you make a nipple from the skin around the nipple and when you do that if you do that in someone who's already got a nipple and an areola you will distort the shape of the areola so what you normally do in someone who's got a cancer is you have nothing you have just a white patch of skin and you make a nipple and then after that you tattoo the areola as a circle if you for whatever reason have to reconstruct a nipple in someone with already with a with an areola you use that skin of the areola to make the nipple reconstruction and that can distort the circular shape of the areola. And you could go on and have a an, uh, tattooing to make the areola round again, but it is a little bit difficult. Or It's also difficult because the way you do a, re- a nipple reconstruction classically is by doing what's called a flap, which means rearranging the tissue of that skin. If you've had a nipple graft, that skin is grafted skin. So it hasn't got a great, blood supply um, by definition. So you're trying to raise and move around skin that is scar. So it's really hard to do, uh, to make a nipple out of a nipple graft. Um, There are other things people have done by injecting something underneath the nipple, fat, just injecting a little bit of fat under the nipple. People have taken, believe it or not, um, bits of cartilage, bits of the ear and put it underneath the nipple people have taken um little bits of like like bone cement and things like that putting things underneath the the nipple to try and push it push it up and give it projection anytime people have done loads of stuff means there's no real really good thing um and i think you said here god we've got some kicking off now i've lost pigmentation so we've had tattooing so you you know what Joni, my advice to you junie you know my, my advice to you is to um have tattooing and maybe get like that three you know the 3d tattooing to try and make it and give a little bit of shadowing and a little bit darker in the center to make it look like it's got projection i think that is the easiest thing Junie, for it i think uh doing it surgically on a on a uh, free nipple graft to surgically give projection to the nipple is tough it's tough there's no easy answers because it's scar and you try rearranging the tissue you mess up the shape of the areola and because it's scarred that, that reconstruction might not work and things really tough i'm really sorry it's it's not easy that it's a really difficult problem juni you might well you might think oh they can reconstruct nipples when they do breast cancer but then we've got like healthy tissue that we're reconstructing nipple on on a free nipple graft really hard Uh, i haven't got any easy answers for that juni sorry about that um that's a tough one Nikki, my belly button has no stalk due to umbilical hernia. It was attached due to very tight stitches. Would it be easier to have taken it away and a new one made rather than rescue it? Nikki, legendary question that. Really good question. Um, you know what? Some, some people just take it off, throw it away and make a new one when they do an abdominoplasty. A standard abdominoplasty. So, um, my belly button has no stalk due to umbilical hernia. It was attached. Would it be does that mean like it was sometimes you do something called floating the belly button, which means you cut it at the base of the stalk, particularly if you're doing something like a mini abdominal plastic where you're not making a scar around the belly button, you can float the belly button. So you cut the stalk to help the skin pull down. I'm not sure, but you still got it, still looks normal, but it's just sort of moves. I'm not sure what what the um no it has no stalk. It was attached to you. Um the answer is. I mean, belly button's a thing, you know, there's, there's things in plastic surgery um, and belly button is a thing about what you do with the belly button, how, what shape you make the belly button. So the answer, Nikki, is you can always have the belly button reconstructed. You could have the one that you've got reconstructed. You could have the one you have got taken off and a new one made. Um, things can be done to belly buttons to try and make them look better. Um, would it have been easier to take away a new one made rather than rescue it? Tricky question that. To be honest, if it was me, I would have probably tried to rescue it. I don't know what, you know, I, rather than make a new one. But as I say, there are some surgeons out there, really good surgeons who are giving me presenting at the meetings and stuff, who just routinely throw them away and make a new one. So obviously, there's all sorts of surgeons in between. So I think other surgeons will have a lower threshold to just throw it away and make a new one. Um, but but I, so I don't know if it would have been easier to have made a new one at the time. But I guess we've got to move forward where we are, Nikki. Let's move forward don't uh, let's not uh, think what would have been better at the time so if you don't like the shape of it things might be able to be done if you want you can email me a photo I'll have a look at it and give you an opinion if you want or you can come to the clinic have a chat probably won't be with me though probably be with kuram or something but you know Karim will be able to help um, Julie hi how much time do you need off work after breast reduction do people usually get a sick note for recovery without needing to tell nature of the op so what's the tree Zoe? <clears throat> <coughs> um, um so Julie, how much time do you need off work after breast reduction? Do people use get signal for recovery without needing to tell employee nature with the op? Good question. Some good ones coming in. Ah, I've Got some good ones. And Tracy's getting in there as well. This is good. Um Julie breast reduction, big op big of breast reduction don't underestimate it a lot of scarring and stuff like that general anesthetic in um, in uh, overnight taped up come back after a week all the tapes come off feel a bit weird as I say the volumes up here will settle I normally say two to three weeks for driving Um, sometimes the insurance company will have a view on how long before you can drive uh, sometimes it say it's up to the doctor. If they've got a view, you better do what they say. If they say it's up to the doctor, two to three weeks is normal. Some people are, you know, three is safe. You might be okay at two. Um, and that means two to three weeks usually for work because you, you know, normally have to drive to work, but uh, basically you can start getting back into things, I'd say after three weeks, but nothing too heavy, nothing too crazy. So I normally say light duties or phase return for three weeks. So three weeks off, three weeks light duties. After six weeks, you can start lifting, start getting back into things. That's a sort of normal regime for off-works. You know, three weeks or three weeks light duties. Yes, you can get a sick note. We just write surgery on the sick note. We have to write something, unfortunately. So we have to write something. But the sick note doesn't say anything about plastic surgery or what have you. It's up to you. Obviously, you need to tell the employer you're going to take time off and you're having Well, you can tell them It's Really, you can do what you want with regards to telling the pet employer. Unfortunately, um, people do... Uh, frown upon this sort of surgery um and i i get it's a bit upsetting when people um get told that they can't have time off work for this surgery but they can for other surgery but anyway that it's anyway that's another another thing really how it's perceived and people think is unnecessary and everything but that's another one of my pet things that people think this is unnecessary. But anyway, it's uh, it's what it is. So I would suggest you probably better off just saying to them, you're having surgery and it's you know whatever you want to tell them. But uh, I think a lot of people think the employees are going to ring me or ring us and say, what surgery you she had. They won't do that. And if they do, we can't tell them unless we will say, well, we're going to ask Julie. And Julie, oh, can we tell your employer? You say no, and you say, OK, fine. We can't tell them. It's all confidential and everything. But they never do ring as well. People think they ring. They never do ring. Um, so yeah, you can get a sick note, and you don't have to tell the nature of the op to the employee. Employer, um, your nature of the op. Zoe Fisher. For me, it was the best thing. Didn't get to look at the sizing. No, you wouldn't have, Tracy. You just. Um, but was just happy to have it done awake. And actually, Jonathan, no sedation, just local. You, you, Yeah, it wasn't just local, you would have been sedated. You may not have felt like you were sedated, but there would have been a bit of sedation there. But anyway, um, don't rock the boat for positivity. Let's keep the positivity coming. Keep it coming. Tracy, good, uh, I'll pay you later. Nikki, I had a hernia op when they sewed me up too tightly. I kept the bursting belly button with infection that's maybe under pressure. Yeah, no, no holes, just, okay. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, Nikki, so yeah um unfortunately you can get wound healing problems after a tummy tuck anyway and uh, the areas you get the wound healing problems essentially and around the belly button the belly buttons are naturally sort of dirty area if you like because it's like that sort of you know we try and clean it and what have you and particularly if you've had a hernia there it might have been contaminated because if it was open to the abdomen abdominal cavity so you have got a risk of infection there and that that is a thing that's not un, not well i say it's not uncommon it's it's, it's a thing you know um and so you've lost your belly button, so that can happen. Um, and now the hole is just flat, yeah. But having an abdominal plasty, so you get a new one done. Absolutely, that's that's the spirit. So you, when you have an abdominal plasty, you'll have a new one made. So yeah, that's fine. So you will. Uh, that sounds. That sounds. Um, you've been through it a bit there, Nikki. Or you can have a new one made anyway without having an abdominal plastic. But if you're having an abdominal plastic anyway, then the thing to do would be get a new one made at that time. That's good, wasn't we'll it? At the end, came okay, good at the end. Nikki, Tracy, Julie, Junie uh, got in there. Zoe put her all in. So, thank you all for that. Um, that's good. Started on time ish, you know, and you finish at a reasonable time then. Next week, what's happening next week? Yeah. Next week, yeah, up for next week. So please, any questions, please ask, email me, Facebook me, Twitter me, do whatever you want. Um, Nikki, keeping it busy, it's the only way to be. Um, Eight quality questions tonight, plus a plethora of questions from the audience. Thank you all for asking questions tonight. I'm very grateful to you, and also grateful to you for watching. If you didn't ask a question, grateful for everything grateful for the support in any way take what i can get um i'm gonna um check myself out of here and i will see you same time same place tuesday seven o'clock next week for another episode and um look forward to seeing them bye have a question not covered in today's show then send it over to info at stianoplasticsurgery.co.uk using the hashtag Ask JJ. We'd love to hear from you.